Well, as our kids are heading out, I just want to say good morning to all of you and happy Mom's Day to all of our moms that are in this room. And uh, what an incredible and special day that we get to share together in this place. It's a heavy day when you start weighing all the things that y'all just listened to in that simple video that we just watched. It's a day that carries so many emotions of the good, the bad, the ugly, the sad, the joy. It's all over the place. And as we dig into this today, I've got a challenge for every single human being in this room. This is for you, and there's a vital part in everything that I'm going to share with you today that you're going to be on one side of this fence or the other. Either there's something that you need to receive today specifically as an encouragement, or there's going to be something that you're going to need to give away, something that you're going to need to, to offer or to serve up to someone else. And I'm going to say this, and I don't usually say this, but of all the days to slip out a little bit early so you don't miss whatever it is you got to get to that's three minutes before we get through here, stick around to the end. I'm talking about like the very end this morning because I believe there's a special blessing that can happen from you, for you, or from you in this place. You got it? All right. So, again, happy Mom's Day to this place. Uh, I just have to stop and think about some very important things today as I'm challenging you and I'm challenging me to say, hey, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in this place this morning and just see what He's got for you. Um, so simple, but such a profound thing. You are alive today because of your mom. She gave you birth. She physically brought you into this world, and if nothing else, you should give thanks for that. But there's usually a lot more. There's usually so much more on top of that. Not only did she give birth, birth to you, but you know, no matter how perfect she was or how imperfect she was or how somewhere in the middle she was in that, we should give thanks there. God used your mother to give you life. Yes, I know that he created you. Yes, I've read Psalm 139, and it is so clear that it is God himself who knit you together in your mother's womb. But he chose your mom to be that place where you would be formed, and it's beautiful. She is the vessel to give you life. And that means that God has a purpose for your life. Because he didn't create you without purpose. There's a specific purpose in your life. And we should be thankful. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it should take that level of realization of purpose in your life to a whole nother level. Just to stop and think for a second. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says it like this. For we are God's masterpiece. 
We're his creation. We're his, his perfect thing that he did with his own hands, with his own heart, with his own abilities. He did this. And then he goes on, he says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So he, he gave us new life in Christ as we put our faith in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So think about that. Even before you were created, he had a plan for you. So to the moms in this room, uh, whether you have children who are long gone from the house and are adults with children and grandchildren and everything else, or those uh, maybe who are just looking at their first child in the eyes right now, the pressure to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the perfect woman is unrealistic. And I think you find this scripturally, even though there's some incredible challenges for our women in this room. I've heard some really spiritual guys say, matter of fact, I probably said it myself, I just want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman. Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what you're asking? Do you realize what a huge unrealistic ask that you're putting there i'm not saying that god can't give you the perfect spouse for you i'm just saying the proverbs 31 is a pretty good challenge if you don't believe me just just listen to this you'll see part of it up on the screen here in proverbs 31 beginning in verse 10 it says who can find a virtuous and a capable wife maybe that's just where we stop because is there possible there's going to be a virtuous and capable man that's seeking a, per, a, a, a virtuous and capable woman? And I'm going to say, no, because I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the perfect glory of God. And then it goes on. She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She will bring him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, if we read every single verse in this right here, you'd be like, what, what, yeah, what, yeah? Really? It says all that? Yeah, it does. Keep on. If you just go on, there's a couple more things that it says. It goes on to say, the wife pretty much makes everything for her family. The clothes, the soap, the, you name it. She takes care of all the animals. She's got all this. She does all of this. And she even buys the land that is needed. And I love this part. She does it with her own money from what she's made by working in the house. She bought land for the family. She works late into the night, seems never to get tired. It just seems how. She's so prepared. <laughs> when you go on down in, in chapter 31, she's so prepared that she can laugh at the future. It's like nothing. I've got this. She's always wise, she's always kind. She's never lazy. Her children bless her and her husband praises her. It's the goal. But it's like perfection. There's another verse that's toward the end of this, verse 30 of chapter 31. It goes back to the rubies and the the valuable things in this life, the things that make her beautiful, the things that add like financial value to her. But at the end of the verse, in verse 30, it says this, but a woman who fears the Lord 
is to be praised. If there's, if there's a most important verse in Proverbs chapter 31, I think it's that one. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That may be the wisest words about how to live life. And my question then goes to those spiritual guys that I was talking about. So if you're asking that for the woman that you're wanting to marry, how are you handling the whole Ephesians chapter 5? The whole thing. Not just the parts you pick out and like about it. But the whole Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, for husbands, this means that you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I'm just curious, any of us doing that real well? Loving your wife like Christ loves the church. Several of our men, uh, actually a lot of our men in our church are involved with man church now. And one of the things that showed up in our study this week, uh, Rick Burgess was working through this verse as he encouraged us to love our wives well. And he said, and I think I've got this exactly right, this is what I remember him saying. I know a lot of men who are willing to die for their wife, and they say it. But I hadn't met many who were willing to live for them. You see the difference? One is a moment and one is a life. And those two are very different. Seriously, does that strike a chord with any man in this room? Are we living for our families? I know Christ is first, but then are we living for our families beyond that? Or do we always have something else that comes first? So to all the women in this room, I also want to encourage our, our young ladies. I want to encourage our teenagers and our our. our our uh, bridge ministry, the college and career ladies. I want to encourage our, our elementary girls in this room, the teenagers in this room. I want to encourage those who are listening in line on this morning. I want you to know how much God loves you. I want you to know what a big plan he has for your life, and this may be part of it, but I want you to know the value that he has in your life. I want you to know that he has a plan that, that I want you to know that while he wants all of us to give our lives and to give our families the best that he knows. He knows us. He knows where the weaknesses are. He knows the things that we'll never do really, really well. But yet in all of that, he still loves and is passionate about us. And he knows Proverbs 31. He gave Proverbs 31 to us. He gave that, that huge, bigger-than-life goal that's a worthy goal to seek. But he also knows that no matter how hard we try, it's a standard beyond human capability. Like everything else that we're called to do in this life, uh, neither will a man even trying their best to desperately live out Ephesians chapter 5 that we will not do it exactly as it is written. But there's hope. And it doesn't come from you, ladies. And there's hope. And it doesn't come from you men in this room. I see some things that are bigger than just moms in this room because there are other women in this room that are incredibly significant. They matter so much to God. Sometimes we look at singleness and we think it's some kind of curse and 
You know, I'm just saying biblically, it's not. Whether it's for a lifetime or whether it's for a moment, it's a gift. And it's what we do with it that matters. Let God use you to bring glory to himself right now. Quit waiting for what might come next. Let him use you right now. For those who have been tasked to raise uh, your children on your own following a divorce and those who may have lost their spouse to death, please hear me and know that God has a plan for your life for you and it's bigger than you could ever imagine. So my encouragement to you is to keep seeking him no matter what. This world preaches a deceiving message that says, you've got this. Try as you may, you don't, and you won't. It takes something. It takes someone bigger. We've got a world that teaches that you are enough for your family and your kids, and you're not. There's no biblical truth in these statements. As a matter of fact, and, and I, this just hit me so hard. Self-help is little help when it comes from doing things. When it comes to doing things God's way, self-help's not going to do it. You're not going to be able to accomplish this on your own. So I want to walk through two more passages that are. I'm going to be honest with you. When you first hear them, you're going to be, those are odd Mother's Day passages. But I'm just telling you, the more I read them, how powerful the truth and the principles are that come from them. Both of them are from 2 Corinthians. And you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 right now. I want to encourage you to open up your word or, or look at it on the screen or see it on your phone, whatever the case may be. Paul is challenging the church to learn to deal with real life and ministry. Learning where to trust. Learning who to trust when it's just too much. And I think these passages hit the nail on the head. So for our moms in this room and listening today who are in the midst of a task that's too big, that's too much, that's too consuming, there's a way. And whether you still have little ones or you have rambunctious toddlers or you have tenacious teenagers or... Yeah, I ran out of good words there. Inquisitive elementary children. Are those big kids that are learning life while they're off at college or learning that? Or, or maybe you're like I am and you've got adult children that are doing life on their own and you're still very much involved with their lives. The greatest goal I think you can have is to press them towards Jesus. And I'm talking about, you know, when you can hold them in their heads right here and their feet don't even touch right here, start encouraging them towards Jesus right there. And when they become ankle biters and they're hanging on for dear life and they need you for everything, start reminding them that they're going to need Jesus more than they ever need you. As they get into that teenage life, young children and, and elementary and go into that teenage life, help them to make those decisions that are based on Christ. As they go to college, the choices that they make, or as they go into the workforce, the choices that they make, that they would lean towards Christ, that they would go after Christ, that they would keep Him in the middle, that they would worship Him, that they would take those, as uh, Glenn said, take those 10-year-old worship songs that you forgot about and remember just how amazing those words are that made us cry out, Yahweh, Yahweh, 
the Lord that reigns. You are a vital part of helping this happen. I want you to pray with me right now as we dig into these last two passages. Father, help us learn to deal with the challenges, with the challenging things that come in this life, like raising our kids. As we look at some principles about how to live out our purpose in this life, God, speak to us. Lord Jesus, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. Follow along with me, and don't give up on me until I get to the end of the passage and start explaining it, okay? Here we go with this. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Verse 10. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. And you who are helping us by praying for us. Then many will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And I know, again, it's a bizarre thing to talk about on Mother's Day, but there are some key things in here I think that will help us from this day forward. I want you to think about these things with me. The first one on your outline is this. Troubles and trials are a reality not only in life but in parenthood. I'm just telling you, if you've got perfect children right now, enjoy it because it's it's not going to last. And I'm just telling you this, if you've got the worst in the world right now, there's hope, not because of you, but because of Christ in you. Celebrate and thank Jesus for the good days. Have fun. Learn to laugh in the normal days. Know where to turn when it gets tough and you are in over your head. And maybe the best place to start is realizing before you ever have that child, you're in over your head. Because we are. I don't know about you, but when it came to having children... If Beth and I had waited to have children until I was ready to have children, we would have no children. I'm just saying. I realized how in over the head, over my head, that I was going to be from day one. I knew I had a good mama uh, to my children that was, that was going to be their mama. But I knew how in over my head I was, and I guess I didn't realize it until my first kid was almost 18. And now I really get it. Here's number two, and I see this in this too. You actually, you may actually think they are going to take all of the life out of you. You remember Paul said in this year, we, we actually thought we might die. And I guarantee you there's some mamas in this room who think, another day I can't. They're going to take it all out of me. If I don't get some sleep, if I have to change another diaper, if I have to answer another question... I'm just not going to make it. 
So I have a 23-year-old daughter who my son-in-law-to-be corrected me last week and said, it's not five weeks, it's four weeks. For the record, he was wrong. It was five weeks. Today is four weeks from this day. And as much as I love my daughter now and as much as I love my daughter beginning on November the 23rd of 1999, I'm just telling you, there's this crazy thing called colic that lasted for four months. You talk about not thinking I was going to be able to survive it. Typically, I wasn't even the one that was up in the night trying to console her. Praise God for the woman that God gave me. Because she was patient. And I don't know when she got rest. She may still be making up now. Because I don't think she slept for four months. Y'all know that feeling. I don't know what it was exactly in your life, but you know that feeling. And when you think that it's never going to end, I'm just saying there is hope. And that hope comes in Christ. It doesn't come from anything else because you can't do it. You don't have enough strength. There's not enough hours in the day. You can't sleep enough. Here's another one. And this is where this all lands. It's the third thing down. Stop relying on yourself. Stop thinking that you can do this, that you've got this for your kids. Stop thinking that because it's just simply not true. You have to rely on the Lord. I honestly don't know how moms and dads without Jesus raise children to become much of anything. Because I struggled with trying to lean on Jesus all the time, and it was still the constant daily struggle. If you go back up to verse 9, he says that we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God. Friends, that's a game changer for the parents in this room, but specifically today for the mom in this room, it's a game changer. Let's take this a step deeper. Again, it's 2 Corinthians, and it's chapter 12 this time. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning in verse 8. And it's another one of Paul talking about his incredible struggles that he was having with life and just wondering if he was going to live And in verse 8, he says this, Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. (laughs) It. Okay? In context, he's talking about a thing that he called the thorn of the flesh. We'll go there in a second. But he said to me, this is what the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. He goes on and he says this, Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this is important because there's a, there's a key that we have to grasp here. Again, I know it's talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh, and we're not even sure exactly what that was. We think it may have been his eyesight, but we're not sure exactly what that is. But if we're honest, sometimes even a child can be a thorn in the flesh. Not like on purpose, like that was the plan from the beginning, but we allow that to happen in our lives because it's that thing that's stealing our joy. And this is a real thing to talk about because God has tasked us with raising that kid in the fear and admonition of him. Yet, we get to the spot where we're almost angry 
at that child that we gave birth to, that we fathered. I think parents need to cling to verse 9 here. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. In other words, that's the spot where we finally get, okay, God, I realize I cannot do this. This is an impossibility for me to take this, whether, whether you're with your first child or with your tenth child, and you get to that spot that I can't, and that's the, you know, wherever it is, that's where you need to say, God, I can't. I need you in this. This happens when we see Christ. When we seek Him and go after Him and need Him in the midst of our, our families like nothing else. So He can do the work that needs to happen. Verse 10 of that same passage in chapter 12 is a game changer if we understand what Paul's talking about. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. When when I realize my weakness and I depend on the strength of the Lord, that is what he's talking about. So when we stop depending on ourselves, we start trusting on Jesus, on Jesus, that's where our help comes from. And if we compare back up to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 30, I think I see a whole picture of this right here coming back together. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Because she realizes it's not in her strength, it's in the strength of Christ. That doesn't mean there's not things that she can learn. That doesn't mean that, <clears throat> that, that reading uh, children's books from godly writers is not a good thing to do. But it's just realizing that even in all that, all of that, that work to become that Proverbs 31 mom, to realize that it's Jesus. That's where the power comes from. That's where the help comes from. Just a couple more quick things here. And number four, it actually goes back up to, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Get people praying for you and for your family. This is kind of where it begins to get into the real stuff where I'm saying, don't leave until this service is over because I've got something that I want to offer for you today. Looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, God still answers prayers, and He still answers that prayer, but we have to seek Him in that prayer. And then the last thing I see, and when God answers the prayers, all the thanks, all the praise goes to Him. It won't be, look how good that mama was, even though she might get some of that in the bigger picture. It's going to be, wow, that's Jesus. That's Jesus doing a work in her life that, that no way anybody else could have ever done, no way that she could have ever done. <clears throat> I was reading an article this last week, and I don't even know how to say her last name. I'm just going to call her Susan because I don't want to butcher her last name. But she said this to Mama's, and I thought it's so good. Mama, you got this because he, talking about God, has got you. You are enough because he who is in you is enough. That's how it works. That's why we have to quit trying to do this stuff on our own. And I'm just going to be real honest with you here. That's where the joy comes from. The joy will never come in what you're able to do on your own. The joy will come with what Christ does in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then you pass that on to your children.
This is the invitation that I have for you this morning. The goal in parenting is more than just keeping kids alive. It's bigger than that. That's an important one, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's more than just keeping them happy, because sometimes keeping them happy is not always the best thing. Sometimes there's other things that need to be happy that don't necessarily bring the happy going on in their lives. But it's necessary stuff. It's more than setting them, up, setting them up for a successful future or even leaving them something. Unless it's Jesus. Because the goal for us as parents, as followers of Christ, is spiritual transformation. The goal is a transformation from the inside out. The goal is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. That from the inside out, Christ changes you. The old has passed away and I make all things new. We're searching for God. We're seeking for God to do something. That's why the way we do this, the greater purpose, the goal is something we can't do, but it is something that God desires to do through us. I'm talking about every child from the youngest infant to our grown children that he wants to do a work in us to do a change in them. He wants to do that. So the greatest goal... <laughs> the greatest goal that we can have for the way we lead our children uh, is to daily, from the womb through the rest of their lives, to lead them towards Jesus. That's where some of us need to begin this morning. And the reality is even as a mom, we need faith in Jesus. And if you don't have it, you'll never be able to give that to your kids. So we start there, but that's an invitation for everyone in this room. If you've never trusted Christ to repent and to believe, to put your faith in Christ alone, to repent of the sin that you know of, and to trust the Christ of the cross. The one who died and gave his life for you is where we have to start. And the question for me right now is, have you? And in this most important calling in your life with your children, to pray, to ask the Lord to do in your life what you are incapable of doing. As a part of this invitation this morning, I want to I give a, a unique, a, a not a tangible gift, but a unique gift to every mom and to every woman in this room. I want to give a gift to mothers and to the mother of our children, to our mothers and to the mothers of our children, and to all the moms in this room and to all the women in this room, and all those ladies that we are connected with, all the, the young girls in this room that will grow up to be amazing women and amazing moms, I want us to pray that God would give them strength when they are weak, wisdom when they don't know what to do, hope when it seems hopeless, and joy when it simply can't be found. And here's the way I want to do this. I'm going to ask Drew to come and to join me down front. I'm going to ask all of you to stand across this room right now. And if it's given your life to Christ, I want you to start there. And if it's 
if it's loving someone enough to pray for them, as First or Second Corinthians chapter one says that we pray for you. I don't care whether it's at your seat. I don't care where it stands. I don't care if it's before this altar. I want you to pray for the ladies. I want you to pray for the moms. I want you to pray for those who are going to be moms. I want you to pray that God would give them the strength that they do not have on their own to be the amazing human beings that God created them to be in his strength and not in theirs. Father, this hits me hard because I realize what a huge part, you're the vital part of every mom, of every family, of all of us. We know that, God. But in this day, that we would seek you, that we would pray, that we would give thanks for the people we call mom, for the incredible ladies in this room, for the ones that we love so much and the ones that love us so. We give you glory for this. As 2 Corinthians verse 1 says. And we pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. If God's speaking to you, don't hesitate. If, if you're led to pray, come and pray. If you're praying where you are, pray where you are.